0: Welcome to the Candidly NITR podcast, brought to you by Monday Morning. You are now listening to finally an interview featuring Rupesh Mahore, a research enthusiast and stand-up comic. How were you able to do back-to-back internships at ISRO? How did you land them?
1: Uh, when I was uh, in my first year, I worked with Professor Ethiopia, I worked with yeah. microfluidic devices. And uh, when I, uh, worked with, uh, uh, URT, I worked with Professor Deep Pamo at IIT Guwahati, I worked with piezoelectric uh, actuators. So I sort of uh, wrote a proposal to to a professor, uh, to, a, uh, to a scientist at ISRO. Uh, regarding uh, the fabrication of a microfluidic device, which is based on my piezoelectric, ap- piezoelectric ap- applications, and uh, I thought that they might not reply, but they actually said that okay, for uh, when we want to uh, use a microfluidic device for uh, for the supply of lubricant in different parts of, any, uh, of of a spacecraft, we have to use a piezoelectric actu- actuator. And he did. Uh, he replied back to the mail that can you like frame your proposal in a much better way than I framed it in uh, in a more sensible way, like how the working fluid would won't be affected by my microfluidic actuator, and uh, possibly what we can do. Uh, to fabricate a device in a more optimized sense so he sort of uh, called me there and i uh, also told him that i have some fabrication thin film fabrication related experience so he uh, so he called me there and uh, i worked uh, with uh, with a group who was working with the thin films and microfluidic uh, uh, department at ISRO, at Laboratory of Electro-Optical uh, Systems, and uh, well one of the microfluidic device, a microfluidic actuator which I made was actually used in the, uh, the Chandrayaan two uh, uh, rover I believe. So that's how I that. Then they uh, again called me back for a winter internship, they told me that uh, they, they sort of liked my work and they told me like, would you like to work with us again? So I said yes, I can work. So I went. Yeah.
0: Research as a business is usually considered a recipe to become economically non-profitable as compared to the corporates. How do you plan to be financially viable with such a company?
1: yeah so uh, first thing is if you are uh, working on a startup which has a lot to do with the r&d part uh, you have to like you have to digest the fact that at least for one or two years you won't be profitable you won't be able even if you are able to raise the money you won't be able to return it to the investor at least for uh, next one or two years So, uh, it depends, though it depends upon the field in which you are working with, like the way we initially we started, we were working with ML and IoT solutions for space, space time, right. Uh, But then we sort of diverged into more into IoT and healthcare. So, so yeah so uh, we we initially uh, needed some funding to do some R&D work related to uh, our startup so we uh, we made these uh, hand sanitizers like uh, uh, touchless hand sanitizers in order to g- generate some revenue and we sold some uh, thousand to fifteen hundred uh, uh, units of that, and we sort of generated a good amount of revenue to uh, sort of keep doing what we really wanted to do. Then we also made we made uh, a hexafunctional autonomous robotic card uh, for uh, COVID wards, and uh, we sort of got uh, a lot of uh, like companies who were who were working on developing such cards. Uh, they got in touch with us, and they were interested to uh, for us to do the transfer of technology. And uh, yeah, then we were. Working on number of projects related to <clears throat> human space human space flight research, and I was working with Professor uh, R. K. Biswal at Department of Humanities and a, a few other people uh, with uh, like uh, uh, the human space flight uh, research. So uh, from there on, the, the, this idea of oxysar really came, and we like, did a lot of.
0: How did you land an internship at Harvard, and how was your experience walking there?
1: So I uh, actually uh, during uh, 2020 at the end of 2020 I was attending a research conference and uh, one of the speaker there was from Harvard and uh, she like who later on became my supervisor uh, for internship and uh, I attended her talk and then I had had an interaction with her regarding what i can possibly contribute to her work that i really liked her work i read some of some of her research papers and i find it really synchronized with what i wanted to do so then uh, i mailed her and she was uh, she told me that maybe we can have an interview we can discuss what we can possibly do uh, so we had an interview, and uh, I told her that what, uh, how I can help her with uh, the simulation. So in uh, earlier I worked with these microfluidic simulations, and I wanted to apply it, apply it for molecular dynamics that that is used in um, uh, that is used in polymer physics, the main research area of her uh, main her main research area so she sort of liked my proposal she said that okay this is something which we can do then she told me that she has an intern uh, she, she she requires an intern to work with these uh, these projects and uh, she also offered me a summer internship like uh, she told me that uh, i have to come uh, come to massachusetts uh, i have to go to harvard boston uh, in uh, in the month of april may and april may june july so sort of like three and a half to four months internship i, I had to uh go to usa but uh yeah due to unfortunately due to um COVID that didn't happen so i had to work there so i have to i have to work uh like remotely and even even remotely i was able to learn a lot like i daily we had a meeting we uh, had a, a conversation regarding the simulation that i used to do and she used to give some inputs regarding what we can possibly do and like sort of uh
0: While the whole world shut their doors and minds, you came up with Oxysurf, a revolutionary project with a contemporary application. How did you go about it? So the pandemic was kind of a whole shut down for the whole world. Mm-hmm. But at that time, you invented Oxysurf, which has so many applications in the yeah. contemporary world. Yeah. So how, how did the idea start and how did you go about it? So,
1: yeah. so um, uh, the space spaceflight thing that I told you. So we were like thinking about uh, optimizing the oxygen consumption for astronauts when they go for a spacewalk. So because uh, the, uh, the, the payload for oxygen is really, really large. And uh, let's say you you are taking 100 liters of oxygen in, in, a, in a large spacecraft and uh, still 50% of that is getting wasted, like that's what really happens in the process of respiration. So uh, that was not something which is uh, really viable. So we were tra- trying to uh, develop this uh, uh, optimized oxygen flow. But uh Okay, so we were like sort of uh, developing on uh, oxygen consumption for astronauts but when the pandemic happened uh, we had uh, like uh, sort of uh, brainstorming sessions regarding uh, how we can also develop it for uh, for hospitals and for covid so i had i worked on a few initial designs i sent it to a few pulmonologists and doctors uh, that can we do that can we uh, apply this algorithm algorithm for uh, uh for covid wards so initially he he was a little skeptical but when he read about the the, the entire design he, he also uh, had a discussion with one of the uh, one of the doctor like a prominent doctor at Jipmer, and uh, they, they they really liked that idea and they gave an input like you should really work on this device this is really needed at this point of time So, yeah, uh, we, so we sort of developed that device we had followed by the, before the beta, before developing a beta prototype we had a discussion with all we had a discussion with almost 40 to 50 pulmonologists doctors and biomedical device experts and then we finally came up with a final design and like made the difference. So, yeah, it's of the problem is uh, uh, when uh, it really triggered uh, like the idea of oxygen really triggered when i uh, like i was visiting a hospital in, in my hometown and uh, in front of the hospital there was a lady who was sitting with an with uh, an oxygen cylinder and a mask in his in her hand and uh, like it was a small oxygen cylinder i think it was 7.5 meters or something and when the oxygen cylinder ended up she was she she uh, she, uh, she she stood up and she was uh like searching for another oxygen cylinder she was like roaming around and telling people that uh, oxygen cylinder se hoga, wo sab. and uh she had a very small son, like uh, 3 to 4 years old and nobody else was there uh, for her and uh, like she was somehow managed to find some oxygen cylinder, Some someone gave her an oxygen cylinder but like it sort of struck me a lot like there are literally people dying not just because of the uh, uh, because of the complexity of the disease but because of something as basic as oxygen, the availability of oxygen. So that's where I thought that okay I can uh, channel this empathy into something more productive so like then we sort of developed this different obsession. Uh,
0: How does stand-up comedy get into your life? Share with us in detail your journey in this period of life.
1: So I started doing stand-up when I was in my 12th standard, 12th or 11th standard in my school. And what used to happen like I used to write content related i used to make parody re- rega- regarding uh, uh, motivational speakers and they used to think that i'm actually giving a motivational talk so I used to clap instead of laugh so i so like i used to tank a lot then um, uh, in 2016 or something i started uh, doing hitting open mics uh, and I, I used to live there, live, live in uh, bangalore at that time and i used to attend uh, a lot of open mics i used to do stand up I got my first show in Bangalore uh, in uh, July 2016 and I did that with a few local comics and followed by that, uh, I think uh, it evolved, so my stand-up evolved with the way I evolved within my uh, research and uh, uh, it sort of internalized a lot of a large part of stand-up also sort of internalized so initially i used to do a lot of uh political humor right and i used to question uh, myself like why i need to be anti-establishment i used to question about, about why i i should speak about anti-establishment right then when i sort of introspected it i realized that we are we are sort of, like human species um, on an evolutionary basis, is made for uh, anti-anti-establishment because let's say we have a uh, we have a structured way of habits and uh, behavior behavioral patterns. Right? If you really want to do something, you have to go anti to go anti-establishment. For example, you want to finish a project project, or you want to like go to a gym, right? So you have a structured way of uh, sleeping and uh, uh, and waking up. So you have to break that structure. You have to wake up at 6 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. Like, so you have to go anti-establishment in order to have co-creation, right? So that's why it's sort of like I sort of self-reflected self-refle- within stand-up. Uh, I uh, I performed with with a lot of comics. Like uh, I performed with uh, Zakir Khan. I performed with uh, Kenny Sebastian. Raul Subramanya, Madhul Kadri and all these people, Anana. and uh, uh, I, I learned a lot from those people, I uh, learned a lot within my journey how to deliver a joke properly, how to take a pause and uh, how to communicate more effectively, uh, how to develop uh, emotional vocabulary, right? we have a vocabulary for our words, we need to have a, an emotional vocabulary for our emotions. So, stand up sort of helped me in developing that, and it also sort of uh, developed my character within these four to five years to become more empathetic to people and uh, to become to do things which are more meaningful. So, yeah, that's all
0: can you share with us your secret to success
1: there was there were a lot of things happening with me i uh, i sort of refused to do the fact that uh, uh, people should pursue for peace i don't want people to pursue for peace i prefer uh, chaotic uh, like uh, chaotic discipline is much better than peace right so that's what i really uh, pursue for and uh, like if you see on a, on, uh, on an evolutionary basis human body is not made for success we are made for survival right uh let's say anything happens with your life you are uh, a a a good procrastinator like you procrastinate a lot you are delaying things a lot things are not working out for you which means that you are perfectly human you are uh, you are working on a survival mode that's what how humans work but if you really want to like sort of uh, conventional success you have to like go against that uh, flow Uh, all the habits that we make they are made up of uh, you know uh, these uh, binary dilemmas that we face daily so uh, so so for example you go uh, you go to uh, you go to night canteen right and you have certain choices uh, regarding what you want to do so there is a spectrum of choice right But if you you want to go to night canteen or you don't want to go go to night canteen, that is a binary choice, right? So all our habits are made up on these binary choices, right? And if you really want to break that habit, you want to change the structure of these binary choices. If you want to go to gym, you have to like, uh, you have to wake up early or let's say you want to go to gym, you have to say some no to someone, right? Or or something like that. So for me, uh, it uh, also worked in a similar way. Like I really, really like to, uh, refuse the fact that I want to yes. remain peaceful. I really don't want to remain peaceful. I want to, uh, I want to, uh, experience the chaos as much as possible. And I want to build a discipline over that chaos. And that is the only way to like pursue a like, work.